This is a No Land in Sight podcast production. Welcome to Is That Movie Still Good? The podcast where we take a movie from the past, give it a thorough rewatching, and ask the question, is that movie still good? This week we kick off season three with a two-for-one special. That's right, not one movie that we're going to talk about, but two. This week we go back to 1994 to think about Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump. Did the Academy Award voters get it right? Did they get it wrong? Are they still good? Let's find out now on Is That Movie Still Good? Welcome back, friends. We are back for season three of Is That Movie Still Good? We are set up in uh, my house today with Nate and uh, coming off of a crazy summer around here. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, summer 2020. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's, you know, everybody knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually been kind of a boring summer, though, all things considered. It, Not a lot of sports, no, mm-hmm. no events. Um, at least it's not been super hot. We've had a, we've had nice weather in Kentucky. It's been pretty good. Yeah. We just uh, ran the Kentucky Derby yesterday here in Louisville, and it was the weirdest thing in the world to watch that with no fans. But we still got out, had a little party, and bet, bet, bet. One of us made money. One of us did not. Yes, I, I will have to say uh, probably my favorite or best memory of 2020 will end up being hitting the Superfecto on the Kentucky Derby. I mean, that's right. That's <laughs> a good day. This podcast is sponsored by Nate Grishon. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but no, as uh, I'm, I'm not a uh, much of a gambler. Matter of fact, I think the Kentucky Derby is probably the only time I bet on anything all year long, and I know absolutely nothing about horses. So, yes, you can chalk it up. It's just complete random luck. Take it. <laughs> and I will take still it. Still a win. It's, the, the money still pays. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the money that's still right. counts. So, so yeah, no, I'm in, I'm in a pretty good mood today, Jim. Excellent. Of course you are. <laughs> um, well, you know, we've gone through – 2020 we all know COVID's been going on and you know there's been civil unrest in america and in the midst of all of this we're not getting movies so right now it's a perfect time to think about some old movies look at some old movies um and we've thought about this project for a little while we were going to do it around oscar time once but held it decided we'd break out season three with this um thinking about these two heavyweight movies from 1994 when and you see this sometimes where you'll have mo- years where you'll have two or three really, really good movies, and then you'll have years where there's not much that's great. These two were really good and really big back in that day. Yeah, I don't think this one is a, a question of is that movie or these movies still good or not. I think it's it's pretty obvious both these movies not only were good when they came out, but still to this day, 20 plus years later, you know, still hold their own. Now, I will mention, um, those of you, um, we did not, in case you thought you missed it or you can't find it, we lied to you at the end of season two and we ended up not doing a season two finale. Um, all things considered, um, we just uh, just really didn't find the time to, to get around to it. So um, yeah. if you were looking for it, it does not exist. Um, so, um, so, But if you want to record one and send it to us, that's great. That would be good. We could put like a compilation together. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, you know, I think it, you know, we can, we can uh, um, you know, take it back in time a little bit. But uh, no, these two movies, Pulp Fiction um, and Forrest Gump, um, I, I mean, not even just the year, but I mean, really, I think both define the decade as well from a cinematic standpoint. Yeah, I think that I think you're right about that in, in a lot of ways. I mean, one of them was kind of a a story that we've seen in terms of like the way it's laid out, but still um, kind of in a big '90s over the top way with all of the production value with Forrest Gump. And then you had this other film in Pulp Fiction, which was independent film. It was breaking the norms it was doing things in a completely different gonzo way that sort of spawned a totally different lane of film yeah yeah and and you know and and even though you know the the Forrest Gump story it's it's you know 
similar to stories we've heard before. It still had its, you know, very, uh, a lot of originality and uniqueness mm-hmm. to it. Um, you know, everything from just the storyline itself of, you know, kind of this, you know, I don't know how you would describe him, but obviously not fully, you know, intellectually functioning person that, you know, had a handicap as a child, was picked on. Um, and then, and, and really, if you, if you strip down, because um, it's interesting, both of these movies, while Forrest Gump is somewhat linear, mm-hmm. obviously Pulp Fiction is not linear at all. Correct. <clears throat> but at the same time, even Forrest Gump, it's, it's really, if you think about it, it's really told in the present time with him sitting at the park benches. Right, that's right. And it's, and it's flashing back. So even, even though it's linear, it's not all in like real time. And, mm-hmm. and, and the way that the production is done throughout the story as far as bringing in like him meeting the presidents and, you know, tying him to like Alabama football. And it, it, it's just, you know, it, the story is more like the story of America um, from like the 60s to the 90s. As, it is, as much as it is the story of this kid from Alabama. Right. And that's one of the beautiful things about this movie. It's one of the mo- reasons why it's really popular. Um, and, and you will not find very many people who don't like this movie. You'll find some. Right. But most people like this movie and enjoy it. And one of those reasons is that sort of telling that story, even in a basic way, brings in some nostalgia. It's, it's still fun to, to watch and imagine uh, these things that are going on. I mean, it's really one of the themes of the movie. And there's a couple that I'll talk about. But it's kind of a quick glossing over history of America in that time period. Yeah, and, and, and the, the character, you know, obviously Forrest, played by Tom Hanks, you know, it's interesting because it's like one of those characters that, you know, how can you not like him, right. number one, the, the character, um, but at the same time, you don't want to be him. No, no. <laughs> you know, but it's like you, you have compassion, you have empathy, you have all those things, but it's not like, you know, hey, it'd be kind of cool to be like, you know, Jules. Right. <laughs> you know, right, right, right. Um, or, or so it's, but, but, you know, it, it's just, I think the, the character of Forrest Gump is just such a unique character that you really, you don't see a lot. I mean, we, there's tons of movies of like the downtrodden person that like, but, but I think for Forrest ignorance and kind of, him just like everything is so like nothing even impresses him what he does. Right, it's, it's right. just like oh, you know, I just I started a shrimping company and yeah. you know, made millions of dollars. I decided to run across America and I did. And <laughs> yeah, I just like saved some people in Vietnam. Right, you know, right. it's just so like like rolls off his back and like no big deal. <laughs> like all these things that he did. Well, this movie was huge. It grossed six hundred and seventy million worldwide, and at that time, it was the fifth largest grossing movie in history, only trailing Star Wars, Jurassic Park, E.T., and The Lion King. So that just in terms of like a money-making popularity idea tells you where this was. And this was a movie that was released on July 6, 1994. So it was a midsummer blockbuster kind of a movie that really took off. And one of the few movies of this kind to actually win a Best Picture Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's a really good cast. Obviously, Robin Wright. Um, oh, um, Gary Sinise, Gary Sinise is in it. Um, was in it. Sally Field. Sally, yeah, Sally Field. So you know, strong. And, and, and then the, the supporting roles were all good. It's just well, well written, well acted, well produced. You know, there's really, there's not, there, there's some scenes in the movie, and I, I won't go into them now that I, you know, aren't my favorite scenes. And mm-hmm. but I mean, there's really not a bad part of the movie where you're like, oh, I, I just told this 20 minutes just shouldn't even be in this yeah, movie. Yeah. And it's and it's a long movie. It and is. typically a long movie. I, at least personally, can always find like a chunk where I'm like, you could have gotten rid of this and saved me tw- you know, half an hour. Right. And we'll get to that with Pulp Fiction because I've got a specific idea about that yeah. on that film. Um, this movie was directed by Robert Zemeckis, who we all know um, 
had a great career. Back to the Future, probably his most famous film. But he was kind of a Spielberg protege. He looked up to Spielberg, and uh, his first big, big movie was Romancing the Stone, and he sort of traded Harrison Ford and his Han Solo in for Michael Douglas and that same sort of swashbuckling kind of a guy. Um, so he did that one. He did Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, The Polar Express, Flight, Death Becomes Her. So a lot of these movies um, with a lot of interesting technology, a lot of visual tricks that he would do, and that was kind of his calling card for a lot of those. And you could see that in full display in Forrest Gump. And it was one of the beautiful things about it, because think about in 1994, as we're watching these cut-ins of Forrest Gump with telling you know john f kennedy that he's got to go pee we had never seen that before no it was it was it was like revolutionary yes i mean and and, and it was it was smooth it wasn't like some like cgi where you knew it was fake or you know they had an actor that looked like i mean it was just real footage and, and it was done so well that it was just it seemed real. I remember watching that in the theater and thinking, how in the world did they do that? Like, I yeah. really was, like, trying to, like, see a cut or see something that, that was a tell as far as how they um, put that together. So, Well, you know, conspiracy theorists will say that they got JFK to actually act in it because yeah. he's not really dead. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe that was it. Um, so, so yeah, this this movie, all of that that, that technical stuff was amazing and um, made for a really interesting uh, watch. Um, yeah, so uh, so let's stay at the kind of high level before we get into like plots and, and more character depth and things like that. So then you, we go to Pulp Fiction, okay? Like like and we talked about nonlinear story, right? Well, we had to watch this movie. Everybody who watched this movie, anybody who tells you differently is lying to you. Everybody who watched this movie had to watch it three or four times before they could put everything together in place as far as how it all really fit together. Because right. you really are not 100% like, wait, what's the sequencing of this? And what, what does this have to do with that? That's, a, that that's, that's one of the beauties and brilliance of this movie. Yeah, and, and, it's, and, and you know, the whole opening scene in the, in the diner and you know they're they're in their t-shirts mm-hmm. you know that's kind of the first kind of the tell then then later on when you see after the the, the uh, when they kill the kid in the car and they got to clean the car up mm-hmm. and they get the clothes um from uh, Tarantino's character, actually, yeah. uh, you know, you can kind of start piecing some things together. But other than that, they're always in their black suits, right? In their tie, and so you, it's kind of hard to tell what's going on there. Um, and then it really, because you also have two main storylines going on that intersect each other. You mm-hmm. have kind of the the story of Vince Vega, right? But then you also have the story, and I forget um, uh, his character's Butch. name. Yeah, Butch, Butch. Butch. Yeah, thanks. Um, Butch, uh, the character of Butch, that even though they intersect. Mm-hmm. In, a, in an interesting way, eventually. Right, right. Um, they, until that point, they're very unique stories. And so it's not only just the nonlinearness of trying to piece together what's happening in the individual stories, but then piecing it all together. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, this is, uh, I mean, it's a great movie. And this one was released just a few months later. It was released October 14th of 1994. And so it was really geared as m- one of those late year movies that that we can can win the oscar with right mm-hmm. this one had won the palm d'or at Cannes, um so it was in that on that lane right it was in that mm-hmm. let's go win some awards lane right right exactly um and i don't even remember do you, do you you might have the list with you um what the other nominees that year were i do it was a pretty good year uh best picture nominees were forrest gump pulp fiction quiz show which is good yeah not bad shawshank redemption that's, really That's a good. really good one. Yeah. And then Four Weddings and a Funeral. You can do whatever you want with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four Weddings, a Funeral, and a movie I never saw. <laughs> <laughs> or will ever see. <laughs> and, so, and from these, so, so from these um, 
three actors were nominated from Pulp Fiction. John Travolta for Best Actor, Samuel L. Jackson for Supporting Actor, and Uma Thurman for Supporting Actress. Um, Travolta lost to Tom Hanks in the Best Actor category, but that was the only acting nomination for Pulp Fiction was Tom Hanks. And, uh, or for Forrest Gump. For Forrest Gump. Editor's note. Gary Sinise was actually nominated for Best Supporting Actor in Forrest Gump. Please ignore all of the nonsense I just spewed at you. Uh, and so... Um, Which surprised me because you would have thought Sinise would have got a Best, er, yeah. best Supporting. And I don't know if maybe at that point... I mean, because this was after S- S- Apollo, right? Or was this before Apollo? It was before Apollo. Okay, so Sinise probably didn't have a lot of street cred yet. Right. I saw a funny meme as I was researching this, and it was uh, the line from Forrest Gump where... Uh, he says, Gump, if you ever own a shrimp company, that's the day I become an astronaut. And oh, yeah, then later yeah. on, he was in, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Apollo 13. Great yeah. movie. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm surprised Sally Field didn't either. But, you know, Sally Field's one of those that, you know, she's probably has, a, you know, quite yeah. a few nominations, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and, and I think what was, uh, and I, I forget what the actual number was, but the, like, the difference in age between Sally Field and Tom Hanks it's, it's not that much. No, it's not what you would think it would <laughs> well, be. Especially right. for playing, you know, his, his mom. And that's the interesting thing, too, you know, going back even with when we were talking about some of the cinematic tricks, is the way they age Tom Hanks throughout this whole movie. Yeah. Now, yeah. Tom Hanks is a master of that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really good at, you know, you can probably span 20 adult years, you know, with, with a little makeup and hair, hair dye. Right. Um, but, you know, that, you know, to be able to tell a story, but they also did that with Sally Field, too. Amazingly with Sally Field, yeah, I thought. amazingly. Um, but back to Pulp Fiction, um, did you see it in the theater? No, I did not see it until it came out on uh, VHS. That's one, somehow that's one that I missed until it went, that went to video. Yeah, and I, I honestly can't remember if I did or not. And I remember it was one of those, because I had not really gotten it. I, you know, at that point, I had not seen Reservoir Dogs yet. I, I had probably seen True Romance, but you know, I really hadn't put the connection with Tarantino together because right. he didn't get a huge credit for that, for that one. Yeah, so I really, you know, Tarantino really wasn't on my radar much. It's like, oh, I want to go see his movie. So, yeah, I, I don't think I saw it. And I think it was kind of more one of those things that it was just kind of like a word of mouth, you know, from people that I knew liked movies. And usually their, you know, suggestions were pretty solid. Yeah. That, I, that finally got me to watch it. I had seen Reservoir Dogs and loved it and really wanted to see this. I just, I had friends that went and I didn't, for whatever reason, I never was free or couldn't get there. Um, but everybody who saw it said it was amazing, and so I just, you know, as soon as it came out on on DVD or VHS at the time, I went and, and got it. All right, so let's let's ask a real important question here. Okay. Best soundtrack. Okay, very good, important. In one of our podcasts last year, we talked about this: the best soundtracks ever, in terms of compilation music, and I love them both. I mean, I absolutely love them both, but this is one where I would give Pulp Fiction a, or a, for. Forrest Gump a little bit of a nod. I think the soundtrack is kind of the soundtrack of America over that 30-year span. Yeah, I would give I would give it the nod as well. And I think this, what I'm about to say, will, might be a thread throughout this podcast. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I obviously listen, like I never bought the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Right, me neither. I, I still have, to this day, have the Pulp Fiction soundtrack on my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The music is so unique and different, and it's stuff that you don't hear a lot, whereas the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, you don't need to buy it because it's songs all you got to do is put it on your local classic rock station, and you're going to hear it Force all Gump. Yeah, Force Gump. Yeah, Force Gump. Yeah, yeah. Force Gump. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I still agree with you. I think it's the better overall soundtrack, especially the way it supports the movie. 
and kind of what I was talking about with that thread is I think that's kind of the, 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 the theme is that I think Pulp Fiction showed us a lot of new things we had never seen before. It really kind of challenged our thought on what a movie can do, including the music mm-hmm. um, and the different scenes and things like that and the way the story is told. But the soundtrack to Forrest Gump, like you said, it's it's just it's it's it is it's it's just America. It's, right. It's, it's yes. life. It's it's what I grew up to. Yeah. You know, I it's mean, it's what everybody grew up to. And and the way that the music is used throughout the movie as well with those different segments of his life, you know, it, it just it, it's I, I just think yeah, it's, it it really you know can't be beat. I, I agree with that. <laughs> and and there are images from that movie that you probably still put with some of those songs when you hear them, right? Mm-hmm. Like I. Running on Empty's always been one of my favorite songs. I remember my parents having that the Jackson Brown um, tape as a kid. I love it, but I still now think about him running uh, through the desert in Utah at Monument Park or yeah. whatever it is. You know, yeah. and, and so I think about it every time I hear it now. And what, what was it? Fortunate Son while he was yeah, on his way Vietnam. to Vietnam. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, so yeah, I, I think I'm going to give the nod. Um, like I said, if if I if I was re- recommending which soundtrack went better with the movie, my nod goes to Forrest Gump. But if you ask me which soundtrack should I buy and put on my phone, I would say buy Pulp Fiction. Right, right. Because some of that stuff you're not going to hear um, very often. Right. But you will still hear Fortunate Son in your classic rock station. Right. Point. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but once again, you know, I mean, just two just outstanding. Heavyweights. Yeah. For sure. Just two outstandingly well done. Now, I don't know, though, were there any original songs made for the movie in either movie? I don't think so. Now, Forrest Gump um, did have an original score, which was nominated for Best Score. Yes, so that was nominated, but as far as, like, an original rock or pop song, I don't think that's, I don't think so. Um, Like, you know, Pulp used Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon by um, Urge Overkill, and I don't know if that was new for that one or if that was you know, a year or two earlier. I don't think it was new for the film. I think it was just... I think, I think it had been out there, you know... Yeah, a little bit. I'll, I'll call my buddy Neil Diamond and mm-hmm. after we give him five encores, uh, which is just a separate joke altogether that we never told on the pod, so we'll save it for another yeah. day. We love Neil Diamond. We but. love Neil Diamond. <laughs> but, well, I'll tell, we got to tell him real quick now. <laughs> we, we went to go see him in concert and probably his last tour because unfortunately his health's not, as, not doing well. And we just cracked up um, because of, on Sweet Caroline... What was it? Five on chorus? Yeah, he got to the end of the, the, the chorus and he said, Do you guys want want to go again? And everybody's like, Yeah. So he plays another chorus and then everybody's like, All right. And he's like, All right, Louisville, one more time. And we're like, uh, All right. And then, uh, you know, by the fifth one, he's like, Oh, what? Louisville, Kentucky, you want one more? And we're like, No, we do not want one oh, more. We're done with Sweet Caroline. Move on, please. <laughs> but anyway. Um, but great show otherwise. Fantastic yeah, fantastic. show. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love, love Neil. Um, but no, I think the Urge Overkill song, I could be wrong, but I think it had been recorded right. previously. But um, uh, yeah, I, it, you know, so talking, we talked like with the original score and the feather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this kind of, that was kind of the kind of overarching kind of, you know, theme throughout with the feather floating around in the beginning and then at the end and all that kind of stuff. So would you say that the equivalent in Pulp Fiction is the uh, briefcase? Well, I, a little bit. Else. Well, so I don't know that there is an equivalent. The feather is just sort of like metaphoric, I think. And like I have it written down here for Pulp Fiction. What is this movie about? And I think a lot of people would say it's about the Marcellus Wallace briefcase, which it's not. That's a total MacGuffin just to get through yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the, the feather has as much relevance or significance, but it is, you know, some right. sort of a symbol that's happening there. 
Yeah. Um, well, then, what is the point of what is the point of Pulp Fiction then, if it's not the briefcase? And I'm not saying that was my opinion. Right, I'm just right. Curious to hear. I, your I, I honestly don't know, but I read where some one thing that I read. I read a, a, a piece a commentary on it. Basically, said was talking about the indulgence that Tarantino took and how he went over the line, and you know, for everything from the uh, f bombs every few seconds to the rape scene to um, you know, just stuff we hadn't seen before. Maybe the indulgence is the meaning of that movie. Well, see, what I've read before is that the true meaning of that movie is the redemption of Jules. Right. Well, that's the other thing. That's what I was yeah. going to say. And, and I do think that that's, I think that's another piece there is because it's really about that. Like, if you watch Jules at the beginning and you understand what happens through the movie, he has a sign that says, you got to get out of this life, and he chooses to do it. Yeah. And he walks away. I'm going to walk the earth like Kang from Kung Fu. Yeah. And, uh, and John Travolta's character, uh, he doesn't, and... Uh, he ends up dead. He ends up dead. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think there's any spoilers at this point. No, no. If you're worried about getting spoilers, uh, you're a bit late to the show. I also really think about that scene every time I hear a toaster pop. I, every yeah. single time a toaster pops up, I'm ready for a gun to go <laughs> I'm ready for, for a gunshot to go off. Yeah. Um, now, I, in, in, in a way, you could also say, is Forrest Gump really about Forrest Gump, or is it about the redemption of Lieutenant Dan? So I think there's a couple of things in play here. One of the things is... um, Or even Robin Wright's character. So, yes, I think initially what I think it is is kind of baby boomers coming to grips with the events of their lifetime. And I think that's a lot of what this is about. Like, I think it's a lot of trying to make sense of everything that's happened in what would be a fairly tumultuous period in American history. So I think that's one piece of it that's in play there. Um... I think that there's a bit of a morality play there uh, because Forrest is virtuous. He's good. He really doesn't even have a malicious bone in his body, Mm-mm. right? He, he's just pure it's, and innocent, and everything breaks for him. Like, you could say he's just a simpleton in the right place at the wrong time, or does it all break for him because he's such a good person? And Robin Wright makes horrible choices. Right. Jenny makes terrible choices and ends up in— a, an array of terrible situations from toxic relationships to drugs to HIV. And is it a morality statement? I, when I walked yeah. out of the movie, that's the first thing I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think there's a lot of different things that are at play there. And I think also, um, you know, towards the end when, when Forrest, ha- you know, meets his son mm-hmm. and, you know, after Jenny dies and, and Forrest, you know, as a father, in this kind of, and you kind of start seeing the kid. Um, what's his name again? Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, it was Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's what launched his career. That, yeah. that film. Yeah. yeah. Then he went to the Sixth Sense after that. Mm-hmm. But there gets to be a point where Haley Joel Osment, at like six years old, is smarter than Forrest, and Forrest knows it. Yeah. Yeah. And but he still, you know, Forrest does realize, hey, I produced an offspring. And, and I forget how he exactly quotes it, but it's not dumb like me. Right, right. And, and so I think there's kind of something there, too, from a, maybe like, because once again, like you said, Forrest is kind of emotionally blank, mm-hmm. you know, throughout this whole movie. He's just kind of going with the flow of what's happening. But this is the one time where you kind of see this like, like really powerful re- realization from him that he really hasn't admitted much in the movie that he knows he's not very bright. Right. And he's just so thankful that his kid is. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I thought that was like just a really like kind of heartwarming, that, touching. It, that is too. a great. That is a great f- finishing scene to that movie. And and thinking about that, like you said, 
he knows he's not as bright as everybody else. He's going right. to just keep saying stupid is as stupid does, and he's going to, you know, Life do it. like a box of chocolates. But he knows it, right? Yeah. And, and that's when you really know he knows it in that moment. Yeah. So we talked about that being a breakout for Haley Joel Osment mm-hmm. and, right. and potentially a breakout for Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise, yeah. I think Robin good. Wright was pretty established by then. Yes, correct. Uh, and obviously Tom Hanks was established. So we, we flip over to Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. and I think there's definitely some breakout stuff Breakout people in this, but really, what Pulp Fiction, from just a, a, a casting standpoint, is known for is not really a breakout, but a resurrection it's of John Travolta. John Travolta's <laughs> career. That's the, it's uh, it, 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 he was a joke, and this yeah. movie brought him back in a character that's kind of a caricature, but he played it so brilliantly, yep. and it re- resurrected his career. And he went on to 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 be in movies and and have great roles through the rest of the nineties. And, 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 on. and then not after that. And not much after that. But, <laughs> not, not much after that. But better than better. <laughs> I mean, no, no he's, he's fine. I, I, I don't have anything wrong with John Travolta. Um, now, but also um, for Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, obviously we had seen his face. He'd been a mm-hmm. character actor and stuff like that. But I think this too, and I mean, you know, we've talked about this before with Samuel L. Jackson that he's more of a caricature now than a character right um and I think you know I think this obviously you know he had played characters like this before in smaller roles but this role I mean that cemented that this is where it really all started with him and uh just I mean just a fantastic role I mean who didn't walk out of that movie wanting to be that guy oh it was awesome I mean everything from like you know quoting like Ezekiel and his wallet I don't know what that means. I just thought it was some cool shit to say before I shot somebody. <laughs> and this freaking curl is here. It was, yep. was yeah. absolutely great. But, you know, I mean, we, you know, the, the, the pop fiction is just loaded with, with people. And, you know, it's your, it's your normal Tarantino playlist. Mm-hmm. You know, Tim Roth. And Christopher Plum, Walken's in it. Christopher Walken, a man plumber. Uh-huh. Um, uh, oh, why am I drawing a blank on the red? Eric, Eric, uh, Stoltz, Stoltz. Yeah, Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Stoltz. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Keitel. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, and Quentin Tarantino himself yeah, as always. He, well, he's in every movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so it, you know, it was, it, it was one of those kind of fun ones and Tarantino movies are always like that with the characters, especially mm-hmm. ones that like kind of a, a, a very broad uh, plot, you know, because it's, it's, it's recognizable faces, but it, it, but the great thing about it is you just get like, like Harvey Keitel's in the movie for what? 10 minutes, 15 right. minutes. Not, not long. And it's freaking great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> Same thing with Eric Stoltz, you know. Um, God, that's so good. Uh, and, and who was Eric uh, Stoltz's oh, wife? Oh, it was um, uh, Arquette, Rosanna Arquette. Or, or Patricia. Was it Rosanna? It was Rosanna. Rosanna, Rosanna Arquette. Rosanna, yeah. yeah, Patricia was in uh, yeah. True Romance. Um, and I know there's more that I'm not thinking of. Um, well, here's the thing. Uh, well, of course, um, the, I got the meats guy. Why am I drawing a blank on his Oh, yeah, Bing Rames. Yeah, Bing, Bing, Bing Rames. Rames. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's... It, it, the beauty of this movie, and I, I knew it when I watched Reservoir Dogs, was that Tarantino is an amazing writer of dialogue. And oh, yeah. He, he, one of the things that he does is, is shows you that people just having a conversation about random stuff can actually say something really interesting and make a statement about something. And, you know, regardless of what it is, the dialogue is amazing in this movie. And uh, it's, it, it's the best thing about the movie in, in terms of all of, of well, and that, great and that goes it. back to too why I would recommend the soundtrack is because if you ever have listened to the soundtrack from start to finish, he has a lot of interjections. There's, of, yeah, there's of, cuts of, of cuts yeah. of dialogue that yep. just kind of, for one thing, it makes it a really good you know uh, uh, 
movie soundtrack because it's not just the music, but you also mm-hmm. kind of, it's almost kind of like, you know, a, 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 I don't know, like a mini preview or something. Um, but, oh, of course, Uma Thurman too. Yeah. Um, yep. Oh, and, um, and once again, just in a really small role, but Steve Buscemi as the waiter. Yep. Yep. At, That's at right. The, at the, the Jackrabbit Slims. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, fantastic acting. So, I mean, would you give the nod on just the acting and the casting to Pulp Fiction? I think you almost kind of have to. I totally be, would. Because it's just so broad. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, you know, t- Tom Hanks's weight is probably 10 of those people. <laughs> you right, know? right. But it's still, it's just Tom. It's, you know. it's way better. Now, yeah. you know, I talked about the dialogue. This movie has a great deleted scene, and I don't really care much for deleted scenes. But if you watch the DVD and watch the deleted scenes, and I don't know why Tarantino cut this one out. Um, I don't know if you know this scene or not, but... Right before Mia Wallace and Vincent Vega are getting ready to go out on the date, um, she asks him if he's an Elvis fan or a Beatles fan. Are you an Elvis man or a Beatles man? I've never seen the scene. Okay. He says, are, she says, are you an Elvis man or a Beatles man? And he says, I like them both. And she said, nope, you can't like them both. You can like them both, but at the end of the day, you can't like them equally. You are either an Elvis fan or a Beatles fan. Somewhere you make a choice, and that choice tells you who you are. <laughs> It's brilliant. Yeah. And I almost feel like with these two movies, it's the same thing, right? Like, you can like them both, but somewhere you have to make a choice which one you like, and that kind of tells you who you are. Right. Right. And, you know, and you have to be genuine with your choice. Right, Because, right. I mean, you know, the the obvious cool answer is, oh, Pulp Fiction's better. Because it is a cooler movie. Yes. Just from a cool factor, Fonzie, Arthur Fon's really cool factor, it is the cooler of the two Right, movies. and also, just FYI, Nate and I are both Beatles men, not Elvis men. Absolutely, yeah. So, I, just I, so you guys wonder about how. Yeah, yeah, I don't even think that was, yeah, right, that's why we didn't talk about it much. Right. I don't have any problem with Elvis, but. My wife's an Elvis person, so. Uh, okay. We, we can share the same I think my wife's probably more of an Elvis person, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, but anyway, um. No, see, now I can't like the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, I mean, lost my track. No, we, we, you were talking about the cool factor. Like, it, yeah. Pulp's a cooler movie. Pulp's definitely a cooler movie. So, but if you're being genuine with yourself, in which movie is, I, I think you, it's, it's, a, it's a fair shake you, to really, you know, to, to be honest about both. And I'm not going to tell you which one yet because we're saving that for later. Right. But, you know, I, I, I think you're right. It does kind of tell, like, the type of person that you are. Right. How comfortable are you with edginess or mm-hmm. what, what entertains you? What, or even just what do you want out of a movie? Right. Everybody evolves like that. Yeah, like, your right. favorite song is not the same today as it is five years ago. Right, right, so. right. Um, all right, so next up on, on this, this comparison. Okay. So we kind of talked about what these two movies are about. Um, let's talk a little bit about Tarantino for just a minute. We talked about Zemeckis. So you, you like Tar- Tarantino's this guy who, if you watched him, he's been influenced by, um, you know, all manner of directors, whether it's, you know, uh, Kurosawa or Stanley Kubrick. Um, he's similar to David Lynch in a lot of ways, the Coen brothers, contemporaries that I think are similar. Um, What's your what are your overarching thoughts on Tarantino as a director? Um, I think he's a better writer than he is a director. Uh-huh. I think he's probably one of the best writers, maybe ever in Hollywood. Even if you don't like his content, like you said, I mean his dialogue writing, there's no one better. Mm-hmm. Or and I don't think there really has been at least somebody you know consistently that's been doing it for twenty something years. Um, you know, I think he gets. And, I mean, it would be almost impossible not to if you had his um, success. But I think he gets into himself a little bit well, too So that's much. my thing. So that's exactly what I think. I'm, I'm not sure that I think he's a better writer than a director overall because I think Pulp was a fantastically directed movie. 
But I think once you attain a certain level of success and you get more say in what is the final cut, then you can become more self-indulgent and you can really see those self-indulgent tendencies in, you know, his movies right now. Yeah. Like in Django, which I loved, but there was literally no need for the Don Johnson sequence. Except for it was hilarious. It was funny. <laughs> it was funny. Um, there was no need for it. There was no need for it, but I loved it. But he was I, like, I, I this is, we got to keep this in here because it's funny. Yeah, I, right? thought it was funny. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. But to your point, like <laughs> his, he has become self-indulgent in things because you yeah. can. Yeah, and, and I mean, you look at his full history, mm-hmm. okay? And you go back to like the stuff that he wrote before he was, you know, got, got in the director's chair, like in the, like a true romance, true romance or natural fantastic. born killers, yeah. which are two of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And then you get into pop, you know, and then after that you get, you know, I was not big on Foxy Brown. I thought it was fine, but it wasn't, it, you know, you know, it wasn't Foxy Brown. or whatever it was, it was, it was. Jackie Brown, Jackie Brown, whatever. Yeah. That tells you how much, that tells you how much I like, you know, remember that movie. Um, you know, the kill bills were pretty good, but you know, and I know what he was trying to accomplish with the bringing back the, the, the kung fu type stuff, but I think he could have done that in one movie. Um, I liked Django. Um, Inglorious Bastards was good, but I can't watch it more than once right. because it just it just drags on in spots. I honestly I did not get through the Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. And maybe I need to give it. So I think there's you know, and, and I know all those movies are good, but it's not like everything he produces is like a masterpiece. And I think sometimes people think that. And, and I'm sure that there are people out there that actually believe that, but I think people think that who aren't necessarily true, like, you know, big time followers of his work that, oh, it's Tarantino, so it must be freaking awesome. Right, right. And, I, and that's just not the case. Right. Well, I get what you're saying. And because I love Reservoir Dogs, I love um, yeah. Pulp. I like Kill Bill Volume 2. Volume 1, I didn't care for as yeah, much. Yeah, I, like, I like Volume 2. I like better. Volume 2. But again, dialogue driven, right? Yeah. Which is better. And, and Michael Mads. Yeah. so oh, yeah. good um, so I like Jackie Brown okay it's not my favorite but it's not terrible I'm, a, I'm with you on Inglorious Bastards I liked it when I saw it the first time but it doesn't I don't think that holds up particularly yeah. well uh, Django's great a little overindulgent uh, I liked Hateful Eight a lot um, and I thought Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was fantastic so I generally yeah. like his stuff but it's not all I don't love everything but I generally like it yeah and and, and, and I think too you know, he does the, his casting is so good, amazing, and and it's not that he's. I mean, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's a different story. You got you know two of the right, you know, right, most popular right. actors of our generation. Well, actually, not the, you have the two most popular actors of our generation, but most of his movies. You know, you had Bruce Willis and Paul, but like other than that, you know, it's all these kind of people. You know, how many people? If you took out their, their their Quentin Tarantino movie roles or movies that he was associated with, you take the, those movies off of their resume, and you would not recognize hardly anything that they were ever. Well, in. that that's exactly right. I mean, yeah. like whether it's resurrecting John Travolta's career or putting Pam Greer in Foxy Brown, uh, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> uh, right. Robert Forster. Um, you know, I mean, like any of these people um, that that he's used, it, it's it's and he's used Leo a couple of times, yeah. obviously. Uh, Christoph Waltz, he's yeah, kind of made him a, an American star, who, right? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. and 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 you know, and so I think I, that you know, I, I give him a lot of credit for that too, because it's like, you know, it, it's 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 easy to have a good movie when you have a heavyweight star, but taking people that you know are usually maybe character actors or maybe you know they're they're usually in smaller roles or don't get as much of exposure and getting them to buy into, you know, hey. Steve Buscemi, you're going to be in this movie for 10 minutes, 
and this is what I need, and Bashimi nails it. Of course. And, and that happens over and over in Tarantino mm-hmm. movies. You know, even the, like the smallest roles. I and mean, we kind of going back to like what we were talking about with Django, the whole Don Johnson and Jonah Hill thing. You know, right, they, They're right. probably on set for a week. Yeah. You know, and, and just killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's really good because that's, that, and once again, that's kind of, and I know we're kind of overarching Tarantino now, not just um, Pulp Fiction, but, you know, once again, that's kind of one of those big differences between Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump is Tarantino, for, I mean, if you took Tom Hanks, if you took Forrest Gump, the character, mm-hmm. I mean, what is it, a two and a half, three hour long movie? Uh, yeah, I think Forrest Gump is about two and a half, yeah. 225, if, something if, like that. If you take him out, if you cut all the scenes with him in it, how long is that movie? It's not long. Yeah, it's like a sitcom. Yeah. You know, it's 20 minutes long. Yeah. Where, and that's fine. That's sure. storytelling. There's no problem. I'm not saying that's bad or anything. But with, with Tarantino movies, is there's there's usually a broad set of characters, and tip, there's not a true, in most cases, right? In most cases, and Pop's one of them. There's not a true. This is your protagonist, right? Or your, and, um, you know, this is your main star. This is your, you know, like. Forrest Gump is Forrest Gump. Right. Or, or like, there's no formula for how this story's going to go. Yeah. Right? You, if you don't know the story, you don't know how the story's going to end when right. you watch his movies. Right. If you, you know, like, you you could, uh, we did Splash on, in season one or, or, or two, whatever. Uh, you knew how that was going to end as right. soon as it started with Tom Hanks. You don't know what anything's going to, what's going to happen right. with, a, with a, uh, a Tarantino film. Right. Right. So, you know, and, and I think that's, you know, it, and it's just an interesting comparison between the two that they're just completely two different styles of movie. And I think that that's what was so interesting about that year and with those Oscars was, you know, they were both such strong movies, strongly acted, you know, I mean, it, but completely different from each other. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So before we hop off Pulp Fiction and get into like kind of the final compare contrast and figure out which of these movies was really the better film or what do we think is better or what's our favorite. Um, one thing I want, it's, it's worthy to talk about full fiction in terms of what it did in terms of influence for other uh, films and, and things like that. You know, this, uh, he influenced, this movie influenced so many different things, like whether it was making the nonlinear storyline cool, you know, like you had an Oscar winner a few years later in Crash that was a total nonlinear storyline that was kind of in, not the same vein, but, you know, it made it cool and you can do that now, right? Um, a guy like Guy Ritchie, very influenced by the Tarantino work and really kind of brought back the British gangster movie, like mm-hmm. with Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch or Sexy Beast. All of those yeah, things are probably, pop, pop, you know, possible because of a movie like Pulp Fiction. Um having as much success as it did. It also, I think, is probably influential in terms of a couple of great movies, like independent films getting funding, right? Like The Usual Suspects mm-hmm. or Memento. These are movies that probably don't get funded as easily as they did if Pulp Fiction doesn't go out there and just smash it with this right. um, situation. Yeah. And, 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 you know, think about, like, you know, Memento, I mean, completely launching Christopher Nolan, and he's probably... The premier director of our day. One of the best directors we have. One of the best directors we have right now. So, I mean, like, it really opened doors for people to um, get that creativity out to a mass audience um, so that they could be seen and and do that. Well, and, you know, I know I talked about this about 20 minutes, a little earlier, about 20 minutes ago. And it just, you know, the cool factor of it. Right. You know, I mean, you, you know, the, you know, the 80s and 90s weren't as cool as 
I don't know if anybody thinks they were cool, but you know, I mean, the '80s kind of, you know, were kind of cool there for a little while. But then, I mean, but once you got in the '90s, you know, you got to remember this is like, you know. You know, right, right in the middle of the grunge era. Right. You know, where it's just like it's kind of grungy and dirty, and like it, it was like being cool was not cool. Right, and and you make a great point about the '80s because the '80s was dominated by movies that were, you know, whether it's E.T. or you know the John Hughes films, Home Alone, the the Pretty in Pink, Breakfast yeah. Club, Ferris Bueller, a lot of teenage stuff, a lot of stuff that is driven towards whether not a child or not but your inner child your your right. inner nostalgia big. yeah big yeah exactly yeah i yeah. mean it's littered with those kinds of movies in that era right and this court sort of switched it and like you saw movies that maybe weren't great but took off of that like get shorty immediately mm-hmm. was like yeah. jumped on that or right. um very bad things which is not a great movie but kind of a fun movie yeah um yeah and and you know the one person from that that era that was not in Pulp Fiction that I think also drove that, and I think we've talked about this before too, was all the Christian Slater movies. Right, right. Because I think between Pulp Fiction and Christian Slater, it became cool to be cool again. Right. You Wouldn't know? it be great to see Christian Slater in a Tarantino film? I think it would, that be, would awesome. be amazing. I, I think it would be, you know, I, I think that would be like fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was kind of this kind of bringing in, you know, you know that, and once again, that's a, a thing that, you know, you know, Forrest Gump isn't cool. No. I mean, I'm talking the character. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. and you know, but, you know. And to your point, like. Vince Vince Vega and Jules, they're cool dudes. (laughs) They're about (laughs) as cool as it comes. You know, and it just kind of, hey, that's, you know, it's it's cool to wear your suit and your black tie and have your slick back hair and, you know, be a gangster and, 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 you know, very slick. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And and we, and, and, in, in the era of grunge, you know, you might not remember all that, but it's like, you know, it was like, hey, I want to be like Kurt Cobain and depressed all the time wearing my flannel shirts and, mm-hmm. you know, crying into my beer. Right, right. You know? And even the coolest dudes of those dudes now, like an Eddie Vedder guy, like he's super cool, but not that cool. No, no, right. right. I mean, really, you know, of, of that, and, and if you think of, you know, some of the other movies of that time, like, you know, what when was Titanic? Like, 97. 97, a few years later. You know, that's, you know, it's just, and, and I think that's what, you know, what I always you know, thought about Pulp Fiction, like the first time I saw it, and really even when I see it now, and it's probably been maybe two or three years since I watched it, but I'm like, it's cool. It, yes. It's like, like I mentioned earlier, it's like Fonzie cool. Yeah. You know? and, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's, we talk about influence, and, and Forrest Gump, while it was a great movie, like, what's the best influence that we have from from uh, Forrest Gump? Is it the fact that there's Bubba Gump shrimp companies all over the world, or what is what? Like, what is it? <laughs> and they're not, they're not as good as they used to be. I, I I don't I never thought they were that good, but the, but it's all over. It's, <laughs> it's a, all over the place. Name. Yeah, it's all over the place. Um, yeah. Um, well, it, well, that was another clever thing from that movie is just you know all the stuff like the the uh, like the smiley face bumper mm-hmm. sticker mm-hmm. and the you know shit happens thing and you know just kind of all the little things that Forrest kind of influences like they're kind of like you know kind of almost like Easter egg things in the yeah. movie yeah. you know that's just that and that was kind of one of the neat things about that movie too the way that it was you know that somehow Forrest Gump like you know, influenced every culturally significant thing right, from right. like 1968 to 1985. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, pretty amazing. But yeah, no, and, and, and it, it just, yeah, I, I think pulp kind of has its, and I think too, you know, pulp has kind of become iconic in the sense of, you know, um, nobody dresses up as Lieutenant Dan for Halloween. 
Right. But people still dress, dress up as Uma Thurman. I have the, a, you know, plunger in her heart. I, one of my best friends did that for Halloween, like two or three years after that movie. It's still one of the best Halloween costumes I've ever seen. And you still see it every year. Yep. You, you still, still see do. it every year. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, in and out Burger. What did, what did Pulp Fiction do for in and out Burger? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I never heard, I never heard of it before. Yeah. 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 You know, and it kind of goes back to what you were talking about. Big Kahuna about. Burger didn't take off though. <laughs> no, it did not. And, um, you know, the whole, like, you know, eating, eating fries with mayonnaise yeah. and, you know, just, you know, it just, you know, you know, different fun stuff like that, that I, that I think. I still, let me tell you, when we were watching this movie, doing a rewatch, um, my wife's son, who's a freshman in high school, had never watched it. And he's watched a lot of Tarantino stuff. So we watched it and they get to the scene where, um, Jules gets, gets to the house to pick up Mia and, and she's telling him where to go. Like he can't find the, the intercom cause he's so stoned out of his gourd. And she's like a little bit to the left warmer disco well i say disco all the time when something hits i'm like disco and he's like did they say where you got that i'm like that's exactly where i got <laughs> yeah. that yeah yeah so i i think i think pops had more of an influence but much more of a cultural influence yeah because of that cool factor right than than forrest gump did now if 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 you had to pick though between both movies not one from each movie what what is your favorite scene yeah um I, so there's so many good ones, but I think the first time I watched Pulp, I didn't appreciate how important and how good the watch scene was with Christopher Walken. I love that mm-hmm. scene. That is a great, just, you know, a, a great monologue that he delivers there. I love that one. And I love the, the closing scene at the diner when, when you, when it all comes together and, you know, Jules is, you know, it, it tells him which wallet is his and he, he, you know. I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Like, that's just brilliant. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to go um, with Forrest Gump on this one. Okay. I think that, pro- I think the, the coolest, scene, not cool, but I think the best scene is the when we're getting introduced to Lieutenant Dan, and then he gets shot. And I, I forget when the montage was, but the montage of all his ancestors dying oh, on yeah, the battlefield yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and him i'm supposed to die on the, i just thought that that was just like just the way that they you know choreographed that and filmed it just one right after another in like yeah, every single yeah, war yeah, yeah, i just yeah. thought that that was just really i do love that scene yeah it's very very clever <laughs> i thought it was very well done um and, and, it, and it just kind of you know set the sto- set the stage for you know that that, that character who probably who was a very complex character in that movie yeah, yeah. Um, now who's your favorite character Character overall, and, and overall character. And overall character. Um, let me tell you who my least favorite character is. Okay, well, okay, we can start with that. Let me start with that because it's Butch's girlfriend, the Russian girl. I liked her. I, I you like my belly. <laughs> that's the part that I'm like it's that's the the scene in this this almost three hour movie where I'm like, all right, I can stand up and go get some popcorn or something now. Like it's fine, it, it's important, but I don't enjoy it very much. And no. she's kind of like a, this whiny character that you know she's important to. to to Butch's story arc, but I don't enjoy her. I, I hated Jenny. Yeah. Scump. I, I and, 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 you know, I'm not a huge Robin Wright fan to begin with. Me neither. Um, As I think we just discussed in um, uh, the Unbreakable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we yeah, got into that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and she's just, you know, just takes advantage of the poor guy's right. whole freaking life. I mean, right. like, granted, when she's a kid, she befriends him and nobody else would. So, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I just, I just, you know, 
I just didn't like that character very much. Yeah. Um, but uh, see, there's a, I don't think there's a single character in, in Pulp that I didn't like. I agree. It's hard for me to pick my favorite one. Um, if I had to pick my favorite one, I mean, it's hard to not say Jules. It is hard to not say Jules. Um, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't want to say it, but it's... But I mean, I, I mentioned it earlier, but Kaitel's The Wolf was just, I mean, just great. Yes. <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, Eric Stoltz's and I know drug dealer character. Stoltz, like, no, this is a really good one. He's like, telling him. These are friend prices. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I mean, and he's in his robe. Prank he's, caller, prank caller. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. I don't think there's a, uh, you know, you didn't like uh, Butch's wife. I don't know if there's a, a character in, in Pulp that I, that I, that I didn't like. Um, I thought they were all pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, maybe Zed. Zed's, Zed's dead, can't baby. can't really like Zed. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to. Maynard? <laughs> good grief. But, uh. Um, so, uh, but, but had you ever seen a ball gag before that movie? I had you know, not. That's kind of a loaded question. Okay. But fair enough. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll just say I had not. I did not even no, know what I that was. I think I'd seen one in another movie somewhere. Okay. And not, and not, and I mean, a normal movie. <laughs> let me, let me preface that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like I forget. Um, but, uh, uh, that was not my first ball gag. Um, but, uh, now that was my first probably like scene like that. Yeah. That scene was just... Uh, yeah, something. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. something. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so... Okay, so we got favorite... So favorite characters, probably Jules. We got our least favorite characters. Yeah. Um, we talked about the soundtrack. Um, what else? What else do you want to compare on these two? I think... I mean, I, I you, you know, we compared music earlier. Yes. So if we kind of go down the list of like, you know... Um, you know what they give away hardware for. Well, I, um, I know that most people probably could care less about this, but like, just like kind of what, what is it like costume design and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Just yeah. like the the wardrobe and all that kind of stuff. I I think it's, it's you know once again it goes back to just like well pop was cool, so right. was, like all the outfits were kind of cool. But then you go over to Forrest Gump and you're like. It, it wasn't about being cool. It was about looking like you're in authentic in the authentic, era. Yeah, authentic yeah, yeah. in the era, which. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm probably going to lean on, on pop on this one because while, you know, fitting the era, you know, is challenging, especially spanning as many years as that movie did. I mean, how hard is it to find green fatigues? You're exactly <laughs> right on that. It, it is one thing to create that era it is another thing to define style and that's exactly what happened with pulp it created right. style and defined style right and 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 and, and for a skunk just showed us what the style was mm -hmm. at the time and, and to your point like it's it would be a lot harder to recreate victorian england that's a harder costume to figure out how to do but to, like you said green fatigues 1960s clothes 70s clothes getting right. some old adidas or nikes that's not hard to do, so yep. um, I, I would lean towards uh, pulp on that because of the, that factor. Right now, pulp was an original screenplay. Yes. While um, Forrest Gump was an adaptation mm -hmm. from the book. Have you ever read the book? I have not. Me neither. I also I actually wanted to. Yeah. I've always wanted to, but I also feel like it's probably one of those stories that I don't know how much unless it's just brilliantly written. I don't know how much more how I'm going to get. How much more are you going to get from it? Right. right. You know, from the, because it's like, it's such, because that's the thing too, is it's like, you know, once again, the, uh, one of the differences, you know, Pulp was unpredictable. Right. Forrest Gump was predictable. Correct. You knew, you, you knew when he started running in Alabama and then all of a sudden he gets recognized and he gets to go play for the Crimson Tide. You knew he was going to probably be an All-American. Right. You knew that he minute that he picked up a ping pong paddle, he was probably going to go to the Dominant. Olympics. Yeah, he's going to he's going <laughs> to be a war. You know, you know, 
where this is going. This is right. an extraordinary life. Every single scene that, that's dropped in front of you is going to be extraordinary. Right, right, right. There's no real surprises. You're just kind of waiting to see how it unfolds, but you know what the conclusion is going to be. Right, right. Where with Pulp, you don't even know what's going on because the movie's not even in an order. And Tarantino has written all of his except for Jackie Brown, right? Jackie Brown was adapted Foxy from— Brown? Yeah, Foxy Brown. That was adapted <laughs> from uh, that yeah, <laughs> that was adapted from an Elmore Leonard novel. Um, yeah. Rum Punch, I think, was what that was from. Yeah. Um, so I, I I think just on the writing, yeah, you 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 got to go Tarantino. Of course. Um, I don't think that's really in question. Um, directing style, uh-huh. directing because we've talked about a lot of the things that Zemeckis did with mm-hmm. with Pulp Fic or so I with Forrest Gump. Yeah. I think that's a tough one. I mean... I think it is, too. I think you can certainly understand why the Academy gave that award to Zemeckis when you consider all of the technological things that he did and the you know the visual treats that he gave us in, in terms of um, cutting in those scenes and, and, and doing those things. But, again, a lot of the direction is pretty straightforward. A lot of it is not um, game-changing. It's stuff we've seen before other than... The technology, and and he got a, a, my, a massive like plus five for the technology side. Well, and I think that's the big difference, right? Yeah. Because you're really you, when you're looking at directing, you're really looking at at, at style versus technique, or, right? Or first technical technical technique, right? right. Um, because there wasn't anything. I mean, we could film Pulp Fiction right now. Right. There wasn't. I, I'm, I'm sure I might be forgetting a scene <laughs> or something like that. But you know, there wasn't anything in that movie that was overtly like you know some big challenging you know it's not like you're like blowing up a big building or you know something like that um so i i obviously the the style of it you know right the the camera angles uh, um and and also i i really think i would probably give understand why uh forrest gump won the director because won the oscar for directing because while Pulp, the cool style of it is really built more based off the dialogue and the characters than it actually is the directing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I know that might be, some people might go, no, you know, totally disagree with me on that because it's such a cool stylistic movie. But it's, you know, what makes it cool and stylistic isn't like the way the camera moves around. Right. You know, there's something, nothing in genuine or nothing in, you know. But the coolness of the, the, the groundbreaking piece of directing there, though, is the way that story is chopped and told. Well, that's when you get into editing. Right, but, but, you, but Tarantino directed it to be done that true, way. True, true. Right? I mean, true. it wasn't the editor that said, why don't we right, do this? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, now, I, and I might have said this before, too. Um, I, I'm shocked, and I'm, it's got to be out there somewhere, that, nobody's, that somebody hasn't re-spliced Pulp Fiction in chronological order. I know it. I know it. I've thought about that before, too. And Because um, I would love to see it, though I don't. Because The reason I'd love to see this is because I'm curious to know. What I would love to do, actually, is take somebody that's never seen Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. and show them a chronologically ordered version of the movie and see what they think. I think you would not like it as much. That's, what I, that's where I was going with be- it. Because... Again, what is this movie about? I'm not really sure. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I remember watching Napoleon Dynamite and thinking, I don't know what I just watched. I don't even know that was a movie, but I thought it was cool. But I, 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 don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what that, what that was really about, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I think that would be a, an interesting case study. Um, but um, 
All right, so we talked directing, we talked screenwriting. So we've gotten into some, some acting stuff. Some we acting stuff. So, I mean, are we, are we down to the, the big yeah, question? Yeah, let's, let's get to the big question. Like, right. did the Academy Award winners get it right? Uh, and, and even if you think they got it right, is it your – which one do you like better? Uh, you, want, you want to go first or you want me to go first? I, I'll go first because I'll okay. tell you straight up. So we, we see this often in Academy Award uh, balloting and winners and losers. And, you know, it, as recently as, as last year with uh, Green Book – you know, when it beat some movies that were probably better than that. And it's going to be for forever debated that that was not the best movie of the year to win. But we've seen it in things like when Saving Private Ryan didn't win, but Shakespeare in Love did win. Or The English Patient won, but the Coen Brothers' Fargo was left out, which, I mean, you can argue that, but Fargo's a better movie. Like, it's not yeah, even close. Not even uh, Clockwork Orange didn't win, but The French Connection did win. French Connection's a great movie, but yeah. Clockwork Orange is groundbreaking yeah. right right so we see this all the time and it doesn't necessarily mean they get it wrong but in the moment it, it feels like that they're they're doing what they think's right i would i think pulp fiction is the better movie i think it holds up better i think it is um one of those things where the voters were not prepared to reward a movie that is that edgy that was that out of the mainstream and so I, I think they're both great movies. I think that uh, at the end of the day, I'm a Pulp Fiction guy, and I think it's uh, – that's the one I think is better, and that's the one that I think probably should have won the Oscar. All right, so I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Okay. Um, and here's why. When – and maybe you remember it differently, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when <coughs> – excuse me, when Forrest Gump won, mm -hmm. and the, there was a bit of a backlash. right. But it was all backlash from Pulp Fiction loyalist. Correct. It, it, there wasn't neutral people. Right, right. Because because some of the examples that you gave just a moment ago, anybody or everybody that's not like some snobby Academy person mm -hmm. or some like you know one of those film you know film people right, you know right. or would agree with almost pretty much everything that you yeah. just said. Yeah, yeah. Where with Forrest with Gump versus Pulp, I understood where people. And I could have easily sided with them, and I wouldn't have been – I wasn't a Forrest Gump loyalist. If Pulp Fiction would have won, I would have been like, good, they deserve it too. Yeah. You know? But the only, it, it wasn't like this mass argument of, holy crap, the whole, you know, how in the world did that just happen? Right, right. You know? And so that's kind of where I – number one, I don't think that the Academy got it wrong. Um, and like I just said, they could have gone the other way, and I still yeah. would say I don't think the Academy got it wrong. This, this, is, this is one of those times where either way is right. not necessarily right or wrong. Right. I don't think it's fine. I, I, would lean the, I would lean one way over the other, but you're right. Like It's, it's, not, it's not Shakespeare in Love over Private Ryan. Right. Like, that's right. an egregious Yeah, this was not miss. an upset. Right. This was not an upset. Um, this was, you know— You know, Ollie Frazier. Mm -hmm. You know— um, Sure. At, um, you know, but— uh, now, as far as my personal favorite movie, looking at it, I'm going to look at it from two different, uh, through two different lenses. If I only had, if I could only watch one of these movies, and I could never watch the other one again, mm -hmm. Pulp Fiction, without a doubt. <laughs> Questionable. You no, know, I could go the rest of my life without watching Forrest Gump. Right. Um, I, I went to see Pulp Fiction every four or five years. Mm if I'm sitting around on a Saturday afternoon, just lounging around, maybe it's raining outside and I just want to chill and watch a movie and relax and not get all intense and just enjoy a three hour ride and, you know, 
I will enjoy those three hours more with Forrest Gump than I will with Pulp Fiction. Well, I think that's fair. Now, I very rarely have turned for, or Pulp Fiction off when I've caught it, but an, an interesting anecdote to that point is um, I was traveling several years ago with you know several other couple friends, and um, I think we were in Chicago, uh, but everybody checked into their room, and we were like, we'll meet downstairs at a certain time, and um, we all got downstairs, and uh, we're like, what'd you guys do? We're like, well, we checked in, and Forrest Gump was on, so we just sat there and watched Forrest Gump. And literally everybody, like, <laughs> yeah. watched the last hour of Forrest Gump right. while we were getting ready to go out into the bar. Right? Yeah, right. So, yeah. to your point, like, that's the thing. <laughs> exactly. And, and what we have not talked about yet at all um, in this whole podcast, and this is why I say this, and this is why I, you know, gun to my head, I'm probably going to say Forrest Gump is the better movie, is, and it all has to do with one thing and one thing only. Okay. Pace. Yeah. Pulp Fiction... The pace of pulp, of pulp Fiction, it's it's roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 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 parts that are just really exciting, edge of your seat. And this is Tarantino, of course. You know, he's, he'll, every movie of his is like you know, right. think, think the like Django scene when mm-hmm. Waltz is you know teaching, um, uh, what's his face? Jamie Foxx to ride a horse, or, or ride a horse and yeah. be a cowboy and all that. Right. That was like twenty minutes of my life. I really wanted back. Right, right. You know, and, and Tarantino does that in the movie. There is at no point during Forrest Gump. Where I'm like, oh, this is, I'm going to fast forward through this 20 minutes. Right, right. You know, like, it, I could, it, I could go just, the rest of my life without watching the scene with Bruce Willis in the cab with Esmeralda right. Villalobos. I'm, I'm good without that scene. Right, and I'm good with a lot of the butch scenes, actually. I'm without good with most of them. You know, the butch scenes, you could have taken, and I know you needed them to build a story. Right, but, but, there, but, that's, but, but that's the soft spot in the movie. Right, where you, you hit play on Forrest Gump, and it's just... But it's not adrenaline. Right. It's not because I can't handle three hours of adrenaline either. Right, right. You know, I, you know, I don't want that. But it's just the pace of it is just perfect. Yeah. I get a little weary towards the end with the shit happens and the smiley face. That's my soft spot in that yeah, movie. Okay. Where I think it's a little weak. Mm-hmm. Where I'm kind of like, okay, like now we're just, now that's just crazy. Right, yeah. like I don't know why it's not crazy that he goes and tells Kennedy he's got to pee, right. but it's just kind of silly that he picks up a blank T-shirt and there's a smiley face. Yeah, it, yeah, it does kind of hit some absurdities there too. But I mean, I think I think to me that's that 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 to me is probably why I would put uh, Forrest Gump ahead of Pulp Fiction is just simply, you know, it and also it's one of those movies that you know we've seen it so many times now. You can kind of like you know have it on in the background and like I, I I can tell you I think I've watched Pop Fiction from start to finish one time in the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, not Pop Fiction. I'm sorry, uh, Forrest Gump, start to finish. Um, but it's one of those movies that you can kind of pick up anywhere in the movie. Yeah, and and you can watch a half hour or two hours of it. And it's just like, and then go do whatever you need to do. And I, it's like, you know, it's... You I'll know. bet that's right for me, too. I bet I have not watched it more than once, um, edge to edge, in 20 years. Yeah. I bet that's right. Yeah. And, and, and Pulp, if I'm going to watch Pulp, I want to watch Pulp. I want to immerse myself in that. Right. And, you know, and so that's kind of the difference, too, is it's like, what what am I wanting from that my, that movie-going experience? And, and you and I are probably just a little bit different in that, is, you know, I... I I use movies in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you do too. Maybe a lot of people do. It's like sometimes I want that movie where it's like, I think you and I might have been talking about this the other day about going to movies by yourself. Was that yeah. you? Yeah. That's like sometimes I want to go to the theater by myself because I want to sit there. I want to focus. I don't want to have somebody asking me questions. I don't want, you know, to, you know, I, I want to immerse myself in that, that piece of art. And there's other times 
where I kind of just want to kick back and relax and enjoy something. And it's like it's and, and you know, people do this with music too, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, you know, there's certain music that you know I just want to you know I want to get into sometimes, but then there's other music I'm I just kind of want to have going on in the background and just kind of chill to. Right. Right. And. And I don't know, and maybe that's just, you know, my personality and my, you know, I kind of just like the, the pace and just kind of the chill over the, just with Pulp Fiction, I feel like I got to like pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, it's intense and I'm not always looking for that. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we've resolved nothing. We both, we both would vote one different yep, way, yep, but we yep. both love them both. Um, both yep. great movies. So, so if you're, if your biggest concern of 2020 was finding out what Jim and Nate thought about Pulp Fiction and uh, Forrest Gump, sorry, we did not resolve that. But well, but you know what each of us thinks. So yep. that that's kind of resolved. So if you really wondered that yep. we've done, we've done all we can do. Um, well, it's fun to be back doing this again. Um, we've had so much stuff going on individually and as a, as a community um that it's kind of good to get back into a little bit of normalcy so we hope to be creating content and getting it out to everybody you know every couple of weeks like what we like to do in the fall and uh we do get nfl football back this week too oh thursday yeah so speaking of normalcy yeah like i mean how many podcasts to get when was our super bowl podcast uh what what did we do oh that was when we did uh the Remember the Titans? Yeah, yeah, and we had to, we had to edit that. that, one, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, anyway, we got a few months to get there, but uh, that tradition I like, and we should do that again. Yeah. Um, well, guys. Oh, did did did, did, we, did I tell anybody that I wanted to hit the uh, superfecta at the derby yesterday? It might have come up. Might have come up. Um, well, th- thanks for listening, guys. It's great to be back. We hope that you will follow us on all the social media. I'm gonna get the Instagram post hopping again and, and kind of get out there a little bit more um it, it's been kind of a crazy summer but i'm glad to be doing this project again glad to have nate back over at the house and getting some stuff done yeah yeah thanks for everyone for listening thanks for sticking with us i hope everybody's doing well and is safe and uh we will talk to you all we'll soon. see you soon all right